You're listening to Get Ready for the Best, a series with the greatest stories of the Allianz Sailing World, Kiteboarding, Windsurfing and Parasailing Championships. An event where world sailors will show their pace and talent and where the stakes are high. Sailors from 86 countries will attend, over 1,200 athletes, all together performing at the Beach of the Hague in the Netherlands. I'm Chris Wolder, a Dutch sports journalist and I'm looking forward to the Allianz Sailing World Championships. In this series I invite the best sportsmen and women, organizers and top athletes from other disciplines. We'll discuss the beauty of facing the elements, the pressure and the challenges athletes and the sports come across. In short, we'll build up to The Hague, coming August 2023. Today we'll talk about preparing for the one moment you have to be at your best, game day. I'll do that together with Odile van Arnold, European and world champion in the 49er FX class. She was raised in Curaçao, lives in The Hague now, and she competes in the boat together with Annette Dutz. Welcome! Thank you! Hello! My second guest of today is a former world number one in the 49er class one of the best sailors of a generation and campaigner for Paris 2024. And he competes together in the boat with Finn Sturrett, James Peters, welcome. Thanks a lot, great to be here. Great to have you uh, both in uh, in this podcast, two skippers of uh, yeah, immense size in the sailing world. And uh, I'm, I'm very happy that you're, you're here. At least you're not here in the studio, but you're at Marseille at the Olympic test event. Odile, how are you doing? Yeah, super good. Just had a really nice day on the water and uh, fresh into this interview. So excited. And you, James? Yeah, no, we're having a, a great, great, great preparations out here for the test event. And we're getting some, yeah, amazing sailing conditions and some, and some hot sun. So yeah, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Can you describe the sailing conditions for, for me? What's <laughs> it like in Marseille? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's kind of champagne sailing at the moment. Uh, today was uh, yeah, kind champagne of 15, sailing, <laughs> fifteen knots and uh, and a bit of bit, bit of sea coming in from the from the off of the sea. And yeah, just the forty nine er is amazing in those kind of medium strong conditions. And uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun today. It's good. And and is, is uh, are these conditions similar like uh, what we can expect from the Olympic Games, Odile? Is it, is it a bit like yeah, uh, now like it is? Pretty similar. You've got big uh, swell and then also small chop. Uh, the small chop is annoying because it really stops your boat. Uh, yeah. And that's quite similar to Scheveningen. We had a little bit of current in the bay here and in Scheveningen it will be a lot more. So I would say that Scheveningen is maybe a bit more of a challenge for us sailors even. Uh, but Marseille is a good preparation uh, spot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, 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 and do, do you agree on that, James? Uh, Scheveningen is, is, is different than Marseille? Yeah, it's, it, we're having a, a tricky summer because we've got two important regattas in two different venues. Uh, the Marseille is obviously in the Mediterranean, um, whereas um, Chevenag and the, the, the Hague is is on the North Sea. Uh, we're getting so we do get much bigger, typically a bigger groundswell there. Um, so yeah, we've got to deal with both of those. But certainly, what we're getting here in Marseille is very typical of of the Mediterranean this time of year, and certainly what we can expect at the Olympics next year. Every episode will start with an anecdote by Nicolas Heiner. In his life he had a lot of moments where he needed to peak for the big events. For instance, during his 2014 Laser World Championship, which he won. Top sports all comes down to one week, one moment, maybe even 10 seconds. And you train for that for 4, 8, maybe even 12 years. In general, an Olympic cycle is seen as 4 years which you try and pre-plan, but top sports, and especially sailing, are always a changing environment. 
So you can't always control your plan or route, but you want to make sure you're always on top of the process and evaluate and learn and go forward. And at that moment when it all needs to happen, a world championships or Olympics or any goal you have set, you will feel those butterflies. It's game day. For me, pressure is a privilege and that it means something for you, that you're on the point where you want to be and all you have to do is go and get it. For me, I always said the medals are decided on that last day. That's when the balance between rational and emotional needs to be perfect. I will never forget the moment I stepped on a tennis court for the first time after not having played for almost 10 years. Yes, I broke a few records as a youngster and emotional competitive me always got the better of me. But through sailing and top sports, I found that balance. And now I can play better than when I trained three times a week as a teenager. So on that last day, when those medals will be decided, I'm buzzing. I love that feeling and I'm ready to come out and play. Do you recognize this feeling, James? Feeling the butterflies yeah. and the buzz? Absolutely, yeah. It's um, it, it's something I think all of us experience. Um, in sailing, it's, it's a little bit, you know, sometimes I think before that first race of the first day, especially for me as a real... Yeah, just in the days leading up and in the morning of that first race, I get the butterflies and uh, yeah, as the as the five minute gun goes. Uh, so yeah, very familiar. Yeah, so now it's on. And what about you, Odile? Uh, I think I uh, do recognize James' feeling uh, a lot. I feel like before racing starts, it's nervous, but then during the events, I sort of get more and more into it. So um, yeah, most of the time, uh, the further we are, the more relaxed I am because I realize, okay, it's just what I do every day underwater. It's not really something different that I have to do. I just yeah. need to execute my processes and then I'll do well. Or that's what I've got uh, in control in my own hands. So uh, usually butterflies in the beginning and more relaxed during the events. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes um, you hear the top athletes like, like yourselves when they win the medal race. And sometimes I say, yeah, I, I, I felt it already. Just before we just got into the world, I just, I just woke up and I, I knew this was my day. Do you have the same experiences? I don't, I don't think I'm that confident ever in my life. But no? <laughs> maybe I'd like to be. <laughs> no, and, and, and you, yeah. uh, James, what about you? I have days where I feel uh, more confident and less confident. And um, the thing is, though, that sometimes you can go in feeling like that, um, and in, in sailing, I just, I don't know if it helps, <laughs> you know, it's, there's so many, there's so many things changing all the time and, uh, you can be going in confident and, uh, and you miss something and you're behind, you know, and equally you can be kind of feeling a bit nervous, feeling a bit like you're not too confident and, uh, and then you just get, you, you're on it and it all goes your way and you win. So I don't know, it's kind of, I've learned to sort of separate how I'm feeling from, as Adil actually says, the, the process of what you need to do. The process is kind of independent, can be, of how you feel on any given day. Yeah, but the the, the decision making, because it's all about the decision making, of course. Uh, sometimes it's 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 all about the uh, yeah. It, it's a game of seconds sometimes. Uh, and and mm. you said, Odile, well, I'm I'm not that confident. Uh, at least uh, the way I put it, of course. Do you also need this uh, lack of confidence sometimes that you're you're sharp? Yeah, I don't know how to put it this way, but do you understand what I mean? Um, yeah, I, I understand what you mean. I, um, I think what also really helps is that we're in a team. Uh, so this feeling that you can have already before racing, like, oh, everything's feeling good. You do feel that within a team. You can sort yeah. of feel, oh, we're vibing together and that's going really well. And it's a super big aspect of if you're going to do good in racing. 
So I think it's nice to do have some confidence there. But uh, I think always stay humble and um, yeah, don't look at other people and think oh, they're not going to do well because like uh, James said, it's such a game of nature and everything yeah. can happen. So you need it just always, or this is how I approach is be looking at the next thing that could happen. Um, yeah, what's dangerous if you think, oh, last time the left worked and I did well on the left to so just think, oh, I'll do that again because uh, you need to take try to take that as rational as you can and just look at what's, what's my next step. And uh, I think it's, I don't know if it's mu much about confidence or no confidence, but for me, it's a lot about being in the present um, yeah. and, and uh, making decisions based on what's happening in the present and not too much about the past or, yeah, thinking too far ahead in the future. Yeah, because James, of course, you have to think uh, ahead, you know, but not too far yeah. ahead. And I mean, that, that is, oh man, that, that sounds really difficult underwater. Yeah. I think it's I think it's definitely something that's unique about sailing is the amount of things that are changing in our environment all the time. Um, I don't know how many decisions you have to make in a thirty minute race, but I think there's a lot. Yeah. Um, and and I also know that you don't have to get all of those right in order to win the race. It's uh, because it's impossible to get everyone right. So it's kind of just uh, yeah, the being being present and being kind of knowing what to prioritize, looking at the important things on that day and reading those things. Yeah. Trying to do it just before everyone else does. And also, of course, what what you bring on the water and what, what, what is in your toolkit. For example, your family. I mean, you're both from, from sailing families. Um, or did you grow up in a family where sport was nothing new? Your father was an Olympic sailor and a world champion. Is dealing with pressure something your parents talked with you about from an early age, Odile? Because your sisters, um, of course, and your brother your sister and your brother went, went also on uh, brothers <laughs> went also uh, quite successful on the water. Yeah, so, so I do have quite some people to look up to, which is super cool. Um, and I think they raised me very well because uh, day one on the water, my parents always just told me to have fun and they were never the type of parents to ask how I did and, and uh, get angry at me if I wouldn't do good, for example. Uh, they did always push me to try harder. So sometimes I did get pushed to go out in heavy winds when I was scared and young. Um, but that did help me a lot as a sailor. And uh, at the moment, I'm just really grateful because uh, they're very supportive of me, even though I'm the youngest. And I sometimes feel like, oh, I'm so young, I can still learn from you. They just trust me a lot. And uh, they, they give me quite a lot of confidence with all their trust that they have in me. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, pretty happy with that. And, and James, you, you talked to us uh, about your sister. How she's very important for you. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, I think when, well, when we were young, I mean, my sister was 18 months older than me and she was a, an exceptional sailor. She had an amazing uh, natural flair ability. For, for the, the listeners who are thinking now, uh, who, is, who is James's sister? What, what's her name? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Fr Frances Peters. She hasn't yeah. been in the sailing world for a while, but she, um, <laughs> she, she, she was uh, sort of when I was growing up, having an older sister like that who was, who was you know, fast in a boat was... Um, she very much kind of pulled me up and I learned a lot from her and we pushed each other. Yeah. Sure. Uh, are you both the youngest of the family? I am. I am. Yeah. I think exactly what James said. I had, I had the same. It's very lucky when you can have people who are a bit older than you, a bit more experienced, you can pull up to them because then you also stay in this mindset of just learning, you know, because you want to, yeah. you want to catch up with them. And uh, yeah, that's very nice. 
Coming August will watch current and upcoming champions in The Hague who set and break records. So let's play a quick quiz, get ready for the best. Three questions about the championships and sailing and service statistics that will blow your mind. Oh deal James, just guess, there are three questions, three points to be given. And the one who gets close, get the point. All for the matter of honor of course, and an air guitar or a pat on the shoulder. Are you ready for that? Yep. Yeah. Team Holland against Team GB, here we go. Um, how many centimeters is the hull of a 49er FX boat? It's uh, 4,900 centimeters. Okay. And what do you think, James? Uh, I think it's 490. Oh, okay. Well, oh, you're very close, but yeah. Oh, no. This yeah, yeah, yeah. That, 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 that. You, you said 4,990. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit. I need to work on my numbers. <laughs> <laughs> so it's um, it's 499. I'm sorry, Odile. No, it's 99. <laughs> I've got a bit of a fried brain after sailing today. <laughs> it's 1-0 for Team GB, okay? Well, the next question is for you, uh, Odile. Here we go. Well, we already heard Nicholas Heiner. He became fourth at the Olympics 2020 in Tokyo. With how many points did he reach the fourth spot? What do you think, James? I'm going to say 90 points. My original answer was going to be 90 as well, but I'm going to go... 78, just based on your tone of voice when you asked the question. <laughs> yeah, the I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, man, I'm sorry, James. Yeah, yeah, you're quite sharp. I mean, that's a top athlete, is it? Uh, it is 56 <laughs> points, and really my intonation <laughs> did help our deal. It wasn't my intention. I'm sorry, James. But we got a one-all score between Team GB and, um, yeah, the Orange Lions. Uh, okay. So then we're going to uh, go to uh, a possible decider. Um, which country has won the most sailing world uh, championships gold medals? I'm going to go GBR. What do you think, James? Okay, I'm going to go with GBR because I think that would be the right answer. Uh, okay, well, um, if, we, if we go to the, the most gold medals, it is the Netherlands. No. Oh, wow. That's, I wouldn't expect that. We're so small. But the most medals are for, for of course, uh, by far from uh, Great Britain. But the golden ones uh, for the Netherlands, yeah. Okay. Then we go to this bonus question because we are, we are tied at one each. The question is, how many medals the Netherlands won in total in the Sailing World Championships uh, from 2003 on till now? So, in the, in the last 20 years, how many medals in total the Netherlands won at the Sailing World Championships? Take it away, James. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say it's going to be about three times what they won in gold medals, but we know that they won more gold medals proportionately. So, I'm going to say it's 20. 20 for James. Odile. Oh, I'll go 18. 18. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have a winner. And she's coming from Curaçao, from hey. the Netherlands. Yes, because the correct answer was 16. And with 18, she was more close than you, James. Okay. Well, we've been talking about game day, but all prior to the moment of peak is the process to reach the top level. Even from the very first time being in the boat or on the surfboard. Odile, when was the first time for you? 
in the boat or on a surfboard? So the first time on a boat would be, I think, around six months old. Uh, just, six months, uh, really? Yeah, oh we, lived, uh, we lived by the water in Curacao. And uh, my dad would take me out. He would sail sunfish. It's a boat oh, yeah. that's sailed yeah. a lot in the US and the Caribbean. Uh, so he would take me out. And I think the first time I went to an, a training was four years old. So Four uh, years. Yeah, I just wanted to be like my older brothers and my older sisters, so uh, I couldn't wait to step into the boat. At the age of four, and was it in Optimist or uh, what kind of boat was it? Yeah, yeah, it was Optimist. I think that's the boat that's uh, most most used sail, at least in the Netherlands yeah. and the Curacao. That's the regular boat. Yeah. Uh, to start in, yeah. All right, James. And what about you? What on was your first time, and where was it? Yeah, similar story for me in terms of I was on boats at a very young age. I had um, parents that were both into sailing and um, my sister and I were both sailing at a very, very young age. I think I was similar to a deal. About four, I was in a boat on my own. Uh, we used to have the the, uh, the bit of string attached to the to the front of the boat that they uh, dad could hold on the beach. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so if I kind of like, so if I, you know, got a bit... Uh, a bit lost or went a bit too far away out to sea then oh no he could just pull me, pull <laughs> me back that's cool. probably a good thing but oh yeah it's a bit colder in uh in the uk to start sailing also yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's less tropical than uh, curacao uh, absolutely right man and then uh at the age of fourth uh, a big adventure start for you and you both are very talented of course um but what are moments in your career that you really had to prioritize sailing over other perhaps more important activities in your life you know uh, sometimes you have to make choices of course for being a top athlete um what was one of the most difficult decisions you had to make on on this uh, in, in in this area um well, i think what's difficult for most sailors is uh combining studies if you want to because yeah. um it's a quite time consuming sports and we are abroad a lot which makes it quite difficult. And also, um, it's quite a long period where you need to campaign to even, um, I think I can speak for jo both James and me, to even get to the Olympics. Yeah. So, for example, if you have a sport of rowing where there's a bit of technicality, but a lot of uh, physical work as well, you can reach the Olympics quite fast. But I think uh, we've both been campaigning for quite a long time. And uh, that's a long time to put other aspects of your life on hold. So I chose not to uh, get a university degree, uh, which yeah. is quite a decision. And sometimes I'm a little bit scared about what happened next, what happens when I'm too old to sail, uh, what will happen, how will I get enough money to uh, take care of myself and my family. But uh, yeah. yeah, that feels like quite a big decision to make. Um, I'm happy I made it, but it's a little bit scary at times. Yeah. yeah, I can understand that because James, you went to college as well, right? I did oh, go to university. Yeah, and at university, the time it yeah. was a yeah. yeah, it was a big it was a big decision, and I can um, I can I can really understand what Adil went through there with that decision making process because it was the same for me where I was really right on that kind of should I shouldn't I. Um, the difference for me was at the time in the UK we had kind of five British teams in the top ten in the world, um, and I, as a kind of 16, 17 year old, there wasn't that there wasn't that urgency or rush to get going. And Adil's got to an incredibly high standard of sailing the, in the 49er FX at a really young age. And that's that's because of um, the, the decisions that she's made and that the, the sacrifices that she's made. So for what it's worth, Adil, I think you made the right decision. But <laughs> yeah, I understand it can, uh, it, it can feel like that. 
Yeah, that's because they're impeccable talents, of course, at, at relatively young age. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. Yeah, and I also think that both of us um, didn't make the Tokyo Olympics, and we both decided to take a little bit of time off. Uh, you also did, and I think we talked yeah. about it at the World in Oman. And uh, it does. You, 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 you talked about it because you, you, you both missed out Tokyo, of course, but what did you say to each other then? Um, yeah, I know it's nice to get in touch and it's nice to talk to other sailors, especially yeah. since we were both sailors who were actually in the top five, six of the world yes. and we didn't yeah. make the Olympics. So that's quite unique because uh, there's not many countries where the level is so high. Uh, so we had quite a unique story together and um, it was nice to hear of James's stories of what he did uh, when he took a little break from sailing and how that gives yeah. you a new perspective when you get back into uh, Olympic sports. Um, yeah. Maybe. And, and, yeah, and, and a new boost maybe. And, and maybe um, one athlete told me, I'm now the most relaxed version of myself. Do, do you recognize that, James? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, uh, yeah, just, I think it's quite a, un a unique thing in Olympic sport where we, we really um, hang our hats on this, this one regatta that happens every every four years mm -hmm. and you can be competing at the top of your game you can you know you can be um winning world and european championships or finn and i were were um were ranked number one in the world but we we, we still couldn't couldn't uh, uh beat dylan and Stu, who are a, a world-class team and ended up winning the world as winning the olympic gold medal uh, yeah. and and it was quite a a, a tough period really I, i think a deal probably went through something similar where you you kind of you're obviously very kind of pleased with how you're performing overall you've made a good progression but if you don't get that selection then it's it, it's kind of all for what feels like nothing um so it's pretty hard and, and i think yeah i think for me personally just i needed to get away from it i needed to do something else and i certainly wouldn't have been relaxed if i'd if i'd have kind of carried on uh grinding away at something that was where the goal is six years away or you know five five six years away at that point uh and that wouldn't have been the right thing for me so Uh, yeah, I think I did that. So during the qualifiers where uh, we lost, I was already talking to our head coach because I was a bit afraid for my spot in the team. So I was already telling him, uh, oh, yeah. don't scout me out. I'm right here. I'm continuing. And I continued for about half a, half a year after losing the trials. And I just was completely burned out because... Uh, oh, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you also need time to process what's happened and really come in firing again of why do i want to do this and um if you just focus on this results and in this case the results is winning qualifiers to go to the games i think yeah you're not gonna end up really happy because it only depends on this one day so it really helped for me that when i got back i thought okay that's not how i wanna uh yeah think about elite sports anymore i don't want to have this results in my mind which i'm working towards but much more this progress and this process which you're working on and i feel like uh, i get a lot more satisfaction from that because it's in my own hands uh, and it's not decided on if there's another boat who happens to be for my country who's also really good um yeah yeah and, and, and that is something you can state as well james right because i read some interviews you you almost literally say the same thing that's about the yeah. process and C completely um and it's It's a really, it's a really difficult uh, 
thing but that that mindset is is critical you know it's it's yeah. that the old thing of yeah out, outcome focus versus process focus and i think what a deal's getting to there is is i think something that sports people learn you know it's you, you go you go through that thing of, of shooting for something we do it naturally it's just what we do and when it if you're successful you feel amazing and if you're not you it feels like the worst thing in the world yeah, um, yeah. and yeah. and as as much as as much as we can um if we can kind of yeah take that outcome focus out and just really be like chipping away like working at it improving and growing as a sports person and growing growing as an individual as well yeah, yeah and i, I think could... also it's very important for us because we're doing a team sports and uh if you'd be by yourself i mean you've only got yourself who is accountable for everything but now you also really notice that if one person in the team you ch- notice oh they're a little bit off or they're still upset about something that happened it is a huge impact on the dynamic of the teamwork, the whole rest mm-hmm. of the race or the rest of the regatta. And yeah, to me, that's sort of, it's not okay anymore. You know, you cannot let, you cannot get so emotional about something that happened because uh, no. yeah, that takes you away from what you're supposed to be focusing on. Together. It, it brings, yeah, it brings also uh, responsibilities, of course, also for the other to take care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's very important to talk before a race or uh a week, you know, where's where our mindset, what are our expectations, and make sure you're on the same line. Also, with this test event now, like all of a sudden, I don't know how it is in your federation, but they're making a really big deal about it. All of us, we're not allowed to drink tap water anymore, even though we've been drinking tap water in Marseille for years, and there's okay. all these officials around. And uh, for example, only this little thing how as a team do you want to deal with it? Do you want to take it really serious? Or because uh, that helps you, you know, to feel prepared. Yeah. Or does it help to stay a bit relaxed and let everything go and yeah. stay on the same page together? Uh, very important, I think, for us. And and how is that with you and Finn, uh, James? It's great. Yeah, I mean, coming back to the to the team thing, it's we are in a unique thing where there's two of us in a boat, and we usually have a, a coach as well. So it's it's a very very intense. Uh, situation to be in and of course you see the best of each other and you see the worst of each other um and it, it it's not like in a in a kind of a bigger team maybe in a football team with 11 people where it's kind of it's really not about the individual uh, it's it's about it's about the team and it's it's about how it all kind of um you know work how the 11 work as one and it's it, the individuals can make a difference but they're they're always a small part of that Whereas in a three-person team or really a two-person team in the boat, the the individual is so significant, but we can't uh, uh, kind of neglect each other. You know, it's all about no. how how I can pick Finn up, and it's all about how he can he he, he can pick me up when I'm down, and and how we can harmonise and work together. And uh, so, yeah, a yeah, huge you... amount of our time goes into sort of maximising that. Maximizing it by, by mm. talking, by uh, yeah, yeah, and, uh, and yeah, that, that's the same, of course, for you, uh, Odile and Annette. Uh, I, I, I can imagine. Um, last question. I mean, of course, we're we're counting down the days to the World Cup, of course. Uh, um, and what? When is this World Cup uh, a success for you guys? Besides winning the gold medal. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, I think if we can manage to qualify the country, that's top ten countries. That would be the Huge load off my back, so you can really focus on the Olympics after that because you got it done. And then yeah. I think if we can just get our processes right, um, I think we'll be happy and we'll feel that. If the boat, if we manage to get the boat to feel good, if we manage to make the decisions well together, and uh, 
keep working as a team throughout the events, I think I would call it a success. And James, what about you? Finn and I would love to win a world championships. Um, that would be incredible. We haven't done it yet. Um, and it would be, yeah, it would, that would be a dream come true. But yeah. um, I think there is a little bit of the, of the kind of uh, the other side to it, which is that uh, there's the performing in, uh, in Marseille next year, which is obviously the, the kind of uh, the, the end goal a little bit. Um, and, and there's the fact that we're not going to get to do that unless we qualify the nation. So as, as Adil puts it, it's kind of um, this niggling thing in the back of your head, which is the, probably, I think, for both of us that quali- qualifying the nation should, fingers crossed, such would happen, but it's kind of uh, not wanting to forget about that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, guys, thank you very much for this conversation and that you want to be our guest here at this um, Get Ready for the Best podcast. Thank you very much. All the best there in Marseille. And we hope to see you shine on the waters of Scheveningen. Thank you very much. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Can't wait to be there. Cheers. In the next and last episode, we'll introduce the stage of the competition, host city, The Hague. Marit Baumeister, one of the best Dutch sailors ever, will be there to tell us about her city and her academy to get children to set sail. And next to Marit, Alderman of Sports in The Hague, Hilbert Bredemeyer will attend. He worked very hard to get the event to his city. And he is busy in a broad sense to improve the sports climate there. Thank you for listening to Get Ready for the Best. The Allianz Sailing World Championships are from the 10th to the 20th of August in The Hague. Hope to see you there! This podcast series is powered by Allianz.